Good evening, everyone, and welcome. Tonight's class is titled Humbling Oneself, Part 1. And previously we've learned how there are two souls. And the soul, the discussion we were having is which soul rules? Who are you? Last, last week's class was who are you? And we discussed how a, the, the soul that is flowing through your veins is your animalistic soul. Mm. And so long as you haven't transformed your animalistic soul to support the godly soul as a tzaddik has, but so long as you have not done that, so the activating soul, the, 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 the active person is the animalistic soul. I, I want to reiterate, I may, I may say this many, many times, but I, we can't say it enough. An animal is not a bad thing. The animalistic soul is not a bad soul. In Judaism, we don't believe there's a good soul and a bad soul. We believe there's two different souls with different potential. For example, let me give you an example. The example is given, we say the godly soul is calm and collected. The animalistic soul is an animal, it's wild. It's not always good to be calm and collected, right? Sometimes you need to have that energy. So the ultimate is going to be the synthesis of both, putting them together. Uh, but it, we're not, that, not that we have good and bad within us. We have a godly soul which is pure, and then we have an animalistic soul which has, which has the ability to be extremely pure, and as as we learn, actually go higher, and achieve more. Right? The greater challenges we have, the deeper we're able to reveal, etc. So tonight we're here to discuss humbling oneself. Why? Because. We're this chapter is discussing one who has a clogged heart. One whose heart is clogged, not physically. God forbid a clogged heart could cause a heart attack. You know, we're, talking, we're talking about someone whose his heart is clogged, not physically, but spiritually. So what can you do? And we, we shared how a human is compared to a tree. Last week's Torah portion, the Torah shared with us, Ki ha'adam because man is compared to a tree. And just like by a tree, when it's not catching fire, what you need to do is splinter it more and more. Similarly, when the animalistic soul is not, ca not catching on to the fire of the godly soul, what do you need to do? You need to splinter it more and more. So let's summarize. You have, a, your heart is clogged. Meaning it's not on fire. So what do you need to do like wood? You need to splinter it. Ah! So now, what do you need to splinter? You need to splinter yourself. So there are times that a human being needs to talk down to himself. There, there are, I shouldn't say times, I should rephrase it, there are situations it may be, God willing, that someone may never come to this situation. But there are certain situations where the cure is to really humble oneself, berate yourself. So now, one of the challenges that many of you in this room have, I, I've never had this challenge, but one of the challenges that many of you, of you in this room have, you're like, what have I done wrong to humble myself with? If everything's going right, my heart clogged, I need to humble myself. What 
exactly should I be telling myself to splinter it? Tzvi is not here. He normally sits over there. The question, this is exactly his question he's asked previously. What need one say to himself? And we're going to learn approximately four different methods. I'd like to share the first one outside, and that's where we're going to momentarily get involved. The greater one's self, the greater is his potential for success, but the greater is his potential for failure. I must share this. Today, I met with the teacher we hired, and she was previously a teacher in South Korea. Try this. In her classroom, there were live video cameras that the parents were watching in the library of the school next door. And every day after the end of the class, they would comment to her. And let me quote some of the comments. Why is it that my child is always sitting next to the garbage can? Or how come my child is always in the direction of the fan? I believe that you should move around my child. <coughs> David, what do, you, what do you think about this? You're pro-choice, right? You're pro-parents being very involved in the classroom. I'm glad you clarified what you meant by pro-choice. <laughs> so, so, this is actually what they called it, is they called it a one-way mirror, where the teacher can't see out, but everyone could see inside, you know? The greater position someone has, the greater they could fail. You know, I'm taking now a course on leadership, and that's something they always say. The higher you get within something, the more you're going to be scrutinized, etc., etc. Did you want me to answer? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I to make sure I didn't miss the cue there. Let me give you an example, another example, but a very classical example. I've shared it at the Tanya class. I'm going to test your knowledge, see if you remember. <laughs> Adam was born approximately noon on Friday. The first man was born on the sixth day of creation, approximately noon. By the time his wife was created, we're talking now a few hours later, and by the time that the snake comes and the story of the tree happens, we're going to guess it's approximately 3 o'clock. On Friday. On Friday. Now, something not so well known is that God gave a command not to tree from, eat from the tree of knowledge, not for the life of Adam, but just until Shabbos starts. Shabbos starts at 6 o'clock. So how long was the entire command not to eat from the tree of knowledge? When the story happened? Approximately three more hours. So comes the question, how could such a silly story happen? How could it be that Chava and Adam actually ate from the tree 
And that is the cause of all bad in the world. That is the cause of all bad in the world. We learned that until then there was only good, and by them eating from the tree of good and bad, bad came into this world. Effectively, if they would not have eaten from the tree for three more hours, there would have never been any suffering in the world for the last 5,778 years. Yes? i got to ask a question. Now you're putting time in where I have never heard time before, and i got to ask, is an hour an hour like we see an hour, or is an hour like a greater period of time? Because if you're talking an hour meaning a generation or an era or some millennium or, or some other period of time versus an hour, that's a very different... I appreciate the question and I, I, I understand the depth of the question. Certainly when Adam was born we're talking physical hours. Until Adam was born there is conversation if a day was more than a day. But from when Adam was born we're talking physical hours. So there are three physical hours if they could withstand you know, hold back from this, from this, there's an argument whether it was wheat, fig, whatever it was, they hold back from this item, there's never going to be any pain in this world, and yet they couldn't hold themselves back. It's a silly thing. It's not, it's, it sounds silly. Why not? Anyone recall the answer we discussed? It's a beautiful answer. And it's something that we all, I, I believe, can appreciate. Relative to the success is always going to be the amount of failure. But let me say it in more appropriate words. <laughs> however strong the Yeter Tov is going to encourage you, however strong the inclination is to succeed, God creates within a person the exact equal yeter hara. There has to be free choice, right? God created free choice. So I want you to put in this perspective that everyone's temptations for the last 5,778 years were chewing at one moment within Adam and Chava. Within these three hours, they had all of our temptations together chewing at them to eat from this tree of knowledge. They also had, yes, all of our godly energy supporting them. But we have to recognize that the temptation was equal to the godliness that was involved at this moment. And that is how the sin of the tree of knowledge happened. Because the temptation wasn't a little thing, oh, it's like, oh, just hold yourself back from eating a little apple for three hours. No. The temptation was five... We all know this things that we just couldn't hold back from. You're talking about something unimaginable. Back to our perspective here. The greater... Put yes. So we must recognize that Adam was created with an animal soul and a godly soul from the get-go and he didn't get the animal soul by eating from the tree, uh, fruit of the tree of knowledge. He started with it. Is that the basis of what you just alleged? I, I alleged is the wrong word. Excuse me. I understand what you're asking. Uh, proposed. I understand what you're asking. I'm, I'm, I can't answer that. I'm not sure. You, I, you applied it correct. No, no, no. Actually, 
I, I don't want to confuse things that I said last week. That's why I'm not going to answer it. I would confuse it if I answered it. Thank you. Okay, so we are human beings. We are Jewish people with a godly soul. We have the greatest potential. In summary, we have the greatest potential for success and the greatest potential for failure. That's the message that we're going to discuss tonight. Each one of us in this room have the, have the ability to serve God in the greatest fashion. Each one of us in this room have the ability to cause destruction in the greatest, fa in the greatest fashion more than other, certainly more than any other creature in this world. As we've discussed previously, every creature in this world, they're just doing what God wants. They'll never do anything other than what God wants. As a human being, we are able to go against God. So our potential actually also enables us to, God, to, God forbid, do something against God. And if someone focuses on this point, how his potential is worse than any other entity in this world, this is the first method of humbling oneself. So again, what's the first method of humbling oneself in order to splinter the heart and remove the clogged arteries within him? And through recognizing that you have negative abilities that no other creation outside of the human race has. Let's see this inside and we'll take questions. Sorry, Garrison, I feel like there's a question. No, no questions. Let's see it inside. Yes, please, go, go ahead. It's not a question, it's a comment. Please. Okay. Um, so sometimes I read, you know, on, online or wherever, some, someone doesn't like some other group or person and they call them an animal. And I always feel like, I always felt like, no, animals live exactly as God created them to live. Only human beings do horrendous things that are against God and don't ever uh, accuse that group of, that you don't like of being an animal or like an animal because that's an insult to the animal kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not true. It's also a lie. It makes a liar out of you. You're not. It's an interesting observation. <laughs> yes. Yeah, just to add a little, uh, going back a little ways to your talking about freedom of choice, the difference between not eating and fasting is one is just happens and the other one is by choice. You're choosing to not put food in your mouth and that creates inside yourself a rebellion. And that rebellion, it's like I'm choosing this to be in accordance with my holiness, my, my purity for God. And then there's this rebellion that says, no, I should eat anyway that kind of happens because you made that choice. Hmm. It raises up Interesting. a rebellious nature as well. As opposed to, I'm just not going to eat. And it doesn't, doesn't create that. that. But remember, every inside. time we read the Torah, at the conclusion it says, this is a tree of life to those who lay hold of it. And that's inescapable. Every time it's there. Meaning, follow my path and you will have spiritual life and we never omit that it's always there page 126 we're in the middle of chapter 29 
right hand column, bottom paragraph. Again, page 126. In the middle of chapter 29, last paragraph. Do we have it? With the Bainani, however, in contrast to the Tzaddik, who is his godly soul, with the, with the Bainani, however, since the substance and essence of the vitalizing animal soul, which is derived, where does the animal soul come from? From the Sitra Achara, and pervades his blood and flesh, and the animal soul which is in the blood and flesh has not been transformed into good, it surely constitutes the man himself, who is a, who is a man within a bane and knee, it's his animal soul. If so, continues Tanya, now that I know that I am the animal soul, he is removed from God with utmost remoteness. This individual is thinking to, to humble one himself that I am separated from God with the ultimate distance. Why? For the lusting drive in his animal soul is capable of lusting also after forbidden things, which are contrary to His will, blessed be He. The potential of this person is to lust something against God. Now he's a Bainani, and a Bainani does not sin, so continues Tanya, even though he does not crave their actual fulfillment, God forbid. We're not talking about a sinner. We're talking about someone who only serves God appropriately. So, he isn't even desiring these items. But the mere fact that he has the ability to desire some, something against God is a revelation of how low he is. Because, for example, continues Tanya, yet they are not truly scorned by him as by the tzaddikim, as explained above, chapter 12. A tzaddik abhors he, he can't even get close to doing anything separate from Hashem. The Bainani is not at that level. He's able to have such thoughts. In this, in this ability, he is inferior and more loathsome and abominable than unclean animals and insects and reptiles. The Torah tells us that some of the, there's eight reptiles that are the ultimate level of impurity. In other words, we're saying that even no matter how, even if you talk about the, one of the greatest levels of impurity, a person who has th those animals, which may be impure, but they will never go against God. They're never going to go against God. But even the angel of, of of death will never go against God. He can't. He'll only do what Hashem wants. And this person can. The Bainani can go against Hashem, so he's even lower. 
And this is described by David HaMelech in Tehillim, as is mentioned above and as is written, But I am a worm and not a man. A human being is saying, I am really a man. I am, but I'm acting like a worm. So I'm even worse than the worm. If you're a worm and you act like a worm, Mazel tov. But if you're a human and you act like a worm, you're in big trouble. Con- continues, Tanya, <coughs> continues Tanya and says, One moment. Do you remember how we discussed regarding the Bainani? That at a times of prayer nothing will disturb him. He's able to connect with Hashem at a time of prayer and not be bothered by inappropriate thoughts. He won't be able to have at that moment thoughts that are contrary to God's will. So maybe at the moment that a Bainani is in prayer, he's not at this low state of potential. Continues Tanya and says, the very fact that you're not in a continuum of separation from the ability to act against Hashem, the very fact that it's not stable. At this moment, I'm praying and I can't think again. I, but that shows that it's not ultimately real. Truth is forever. As we've discussed, something that will not last, the, the Torah shares that, that there's something called live waters that needs to be used for different occasions. And it, the Torah describes what is live waters. Says the Mishnah, a river that dries up once in seven years is called fake water. If a river is there, but it doesn't constantly stay, it's fake. Truth is eternal. As we've mentioned, the word truth is made up of the first, middle, and last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Aleph, Mem, and Tav. Emes. Truth is eternal. So the fact that at a moment during the day, you're able to separate from the potential to, to dream of sinning against God does not, does not remove that potential from within you. Let's see that inside and we'll take some questions. Even when, right, this person is trying to humble himself, and he's telling himself that my potential is, is to even go against God lower than any of the most impure items, even when his divine soul gathers strength within him to arouse his love of God during prayer. This is not altogether genuine, since it is transient and vanishes after prayer, as has been discussed earlier, end of chapter 13. So even at the moment that you are in a in a place where you can't go against Hashem, the fact that it's not a stable place shows that this is a true point. You, I, I'll talk about it, I have potential worse than the lowest creatures. And this is a humbling thought. Negative potential. Mm. Correct. You also have the positive. But at the moment, right now, you're trying to think about the negative to crush yourself, to remove these clogged arteries. Are there any questions? No. Basha. Um, I'm just, I know I've probably seen this a hundred times, but uh, the animal soul comes from the Sitra <coughs> Correct. <coughs> it's actually from the other side. Yeah, but within the other side, there's four different levels. 
and the in-between level could be good or bad. So we're talking about a level of the other side, meaning it's not holy, but we didn't say it's bad. Sitra Achra, literally translated, it's Aramaic, means the other side. That doesn't mean it's bad. But it does mean that it is not holy. There's the, there's the holy street, and then, the other, then there's the other side of the street. On the other side of the street, there's two levels. There's a level that we're not sure where you're going to go. Are you going to go towards the holiness? Or are you going to go towards the impurity? And then past that, you have the actual impurity. So the animalistic soul comes from that, that it's, we call a klipas noga. This level which, it's a light. Wherever you're going to put, right, you, it's a light fixture. Wherever you insert the light fixture, it's going to shine. Where are you going to take that energy of the animalistic soul? If you make it sin, it will go there. If you make it serve God, it will go there also. So now, we're going to step into the second method of humbling oneself. And the second method uh, takes us back to chapter 7 of Tanya. In chapter 7 of Tanya, we learned about how man's greatest potential is in the union of man and, of man and woman. The greatest the greatest ability that a human being has is the ability to actually create. Joining with God, like the Gemara says in Tractate Nida, that there's three people who create a child. You have a man, woman, and Hashem. And similarly in chapter 7, in chapter 7 we said that because that's the greatest ability a human has, one of the greatest downfalls and sins is when that ability is wasted. It's, and it, we continued in chapter 7 that, it's, that the, when someone has a wasteful emission, it's a tremendous, it causes tremendous negative energy of unparalleled, um, of unparalleled, it's the highest level of wasteful energy and and it's something that we have to be very careful about. That's what we learn in chapter seven. So now we're going to say, and in Hebrew it's called chatas noorim. It's called the sin of the youth. That's that's the um, that's the expression that is often used. And one of the reasons being that it's something that as a younger person, people are going through certain stages and it's harder to be in control. And so therefore, um, when a person, as the Rebbe shared, he said that a person, when they're married, they could start trying to fix up things that happened previously. But for, you know, young students that are growing and they're just learning about themselves, it may be harder and they shouldn't get caught up um, trying to fix up this issue. And we could, if, if anyone has more questions, I'm happy to talk about it privately. <laughs> but I, I, I'm trying to be as clear as possible to 
to put in frame what we're going to learn. Any questions about what I've said? I think everybody's looking at the floor of the ceiling. <laughs> okay. <All right. laughs> now you're making me laugh. I'll just I'll just share when I st when we started learning Tanya. One of the things that I, I recognize is Tanya, and I think it's something really incredible. Tanya covers every aspect of Jewish life. And in Judaism, we are so blessed that there is nothing that is inappropriate to talk about, nothing scary to talk about. I actually think it's one of the beautiful things within Judaism. So, getting back, the second item to humble oneself is to think how, if a, if a person has, we're talking, I need to share one more detail. Let me share how this comes up. Previously we discussed, we said the first method to humble yourself is to think how your potential is lower than the lowest animal. The problem with such a method of coming to humility is that it's not my fault. That's the way Hashem made me. I need to be upset that Hashem made me that way. Why, why Hashem? <laughs> I, I'm born. That's Hashem's problem, so to say. It's not my problem. <laughs> so, we're going to now present a second method. Something that perhaps a person did on his own. Don't blame on Hashem. Take responsibility for this. That's how we're coming to this second method. Again, the first method was thinking how low your potential is, but that's not your fault how low your potential is. So now we're going to talk about something that perhaps a person actively did. And that is that they had this wasteful emission that caused this tremendous negative energy. Let's see it inside. Page 1, page 128, left-hand column, bottom paragraph, especially so, a second method of coming to humble oneself. If he calls to mind the contamination of his soul with the sin of youth and the blemish he has wrought in the supernal worlds, where everything is timeless and it is as if he had caused his blemish and defilement this very day, God forbid. This is something unbelievable. It's a good thing, maybe it's a little scary. Two points. Point A. The soul is comprised of five parts. Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, can anyone continue for me? Chaya and Yechida, five parts. The lower three are within you and I. The higher two are still in heaven. And that is why we learn about these heavenly announcements that are made every day, and we're like, I never heard them. Your soul hears them. The two parts of your soul that are in heaven hears them. Right, Moshe Mandi, are familiar in Pirkei Avot, we learn that Kol Yom Vayom, every single day, Bas Kol Yotzeis Mechoreva, a heavenly voice comes out and says, woe is to the person that doesn't learn Torah. I mean, who, who's hearing this? There's a lot of announcements made every day. I hope you're hearing them. You are hearing them. That these two parts of your soul that are not currently enclosed within you are hearing them. So these two parts of your soul are also blemished. When a person says, that's what we're saying. The blemish he has wrought in the supernal world referring to the two parts of your soul that are still in heaven. Yet, the Tanya seemingly here doesn't make sense. 
if, and forgive me for saying that, of course it's going to make sense, I will answer momentarily. But seemingly it doesn't because, are we talking about a sinner now or are we talking about a Bainani that has not sinned or, or is not currently sinning? We're talking about a Bainani. So how could you say that he has to deal with his previous sins? If he's a Bainani, he's already dealt with everything. Is that a clear question, Liz? Or should I say it again? Clear statement, I got it. But, did, but don't we also? Oh, I'm sorry. Do, don't we also say that the? Right, this is just for Kashrut. Don't we say the last thing is the most important thing? So like, if you were dating kosher food, then you start to eat kosher food, and then God forbid you should pass away or something. The most important thing is the last thing you did, right? Now you did. 30 years earlier. You, you remind me there was a rabbi. He took a group of people to the Western Wall. Okay. And he asked them, he said, what is the greatest moment in history? They shared, some of them shared when the Jews crossed the, crossed the Red Sea, when the Torah was given, etc., etc. To which he responds, and he says, the greatest moment is right now. And I think that's what you're saying. Well, I think you said that in a class. Right. Something like that. We always have to look at the present. We always need to look at the present. But that doesn't mean that the past has not happened. No. And for, if, to be a Bainani, you have to deal with your past. To really be someone who is on that intermediate, intermediate level, you have to be able to rectify the past. So if we're talking about here someone that has rectified the past, so what are you getting caught up in the past? You've taken care of it already. It's old business. It's clear. Question clear, my Shemendel? Let me share the answer. The answer is fascinating. And it's apropos. We're in the month of Elul, the month of Teshuvah. King David, where on the scale was he? Was he a sinner, an intermediate, or a tzaddik? What do we learn? We learned that he was a tzaddik. Not for right now, Mike Dovid. We learned he was a tzaddik. And yet, he tells us, V'chatasi negdi summit. He says in Tehillim, that my sin is constantly in front of me. But what do you mean? What do you mean your sin? If you're a tzaddik, you must have rectified your sin. So here we're going to learn something unbelievable. Number one, every day a person grows. And your teshuva that you did yesterday for a sin, today may require a different teshuva. The way you were at a certain moment you dealt with it appropriately, but today you have a deeper understanding, it may necessitate a new and deeper teshuva. That's number one. So the first answer we're going to give is that yes, the Bainani has taken care of his sins in the past. But today, let's say two years later, he now has a deeper understanding of what he has caused. It could be today he needs a deeper teshuva as a Bainani. That's number one. Number two, the second reason at times 
we need to go back to our previous sins is because this will allow us to go even higher. Let's see that second. We'll see everything inside. The second one is really fascinating. And that's what David HaMelech was saying. Hashem at times will make things happen to us. And they are there in order to take us to a level that we don't want to go to on our own. Let me give you a, a quick story. There was a tzaddik who every time he would come to a certain city would stay in Yankel's house. One time he comes, he says, Yankel, I'm not staying in your house unless you have a million dollars. Yankel is devastated. The rabbi has never taken any money from him. And now he's asking a, an amount he, ha he doesn't have. And he has never asked God for money and he doesn't want to. Because he feels it's inappropriate. So now he's all upset. He's like, one second, I want the Rebbe to stay. The Rebbe's asking me for an, a crazy amount of money. I, as a policy, so to say, I've established within myself, I don't ask God for money. Finally, out of sadness, he asks God for money, and he's blessed with riches. Afterwards, the tzaddik shared with him, he said, Hashem wanted to give you riches, but he needed you to ask for it. So I was, I was trying to help you. Sometimes we're put in positions to really take us to a new level. So going back, we're going to learn now the second method of humbling oneself is to look at one's sin. I, at this stage, the sin is not active because he's a Bainani. Says the Tanya number one is today it could be your teshuva needs to be deeper than yesterday. And second of all, even if your teshuva was appropriate, even for today, looking back at the low level and creating that, creating that energy within yourself may actually be a cause to jump you even higher. Let's see that inside. Especially so, page 128, last column, especially so, the second method of humbling oneself. If he calls to mind the contamination of his soul with the sin of youth and the blemish he has wrought in the supernal worlds, where everything, everything is timeless, and is, it is as if he had caused his blemish and defilement this very day, God forbid. It says, if, right, in, everything, in heaven everything is, there's no time. So you think you sinned two, two, two years ago. In heaven, it's as if you sinned today. Again, whenever you may have sinned over the last 120 years, in heaven, it's as if you did it today. One second. And although he had to sincerely repented already, so therefore it shouldn't be a problem. He's a Bainani. Yet, the essence of repentance is in the heart. And in the heart are found many distinctions and gradations, and everything is. The heart has many, many levels. And everything is, accord, is according to what kind of a man he is, dependent on your abilities, according to the time. There are some times, for example, Elul, that are more opportune for tshuva, according to the place. Sometimes we could be in a really in a place that does, is not conducive to tshuva. Other times we could be in a conducive, as is known to the knowing. Today, we may now be in a place, time and place, which is more conducive to tshuva, and therefore a deeper level of tshuva is necessary. Consequently now, at this time, a second reason why, even though we've done tshuva, we still should at times think about our sins. 
I'm on the top column of page 120. Did I say 129? Yeah. Uh, 128. Okay, good. Top column. Consequently now, at this time when he regards himself and sees that the light of the soul does not penetrate into, in, into him, it is evident that today his repentance has not been accepted and his st sins still separate him. When a person has his clogged heart, it could be for one of two reasons. It could be because he needs to do a deeper tshuva according to who he is today, or a second reason that it is desired to raise him to a more sublime level of repentance. Hashem has created these, this clogged heart to bring you to a higher level, coming more deeply from the heart. And therefore, King David, who was a tzaddik, said, and my sin is always before me. King David is telling us that even a tzaddik, their sin is in front of them. And what that means is that may be a method for them to go even higher. Let's recap, bring it together, and we'll take questions. In summary, we said we want to humble ourselves in order to remove the clogged, clogged heart and connect with Hashem. The first method we shared was by thinking about how your potential is so low, lower than anything else in this world. But that's not my fault, that's the way Hashem created me. So then we continue to say, and a second method of humbling oneself is to think how a person may have sinned, and how that sin is an everlasting sin in, in heaven where everything is eternal and there's no time and space. And even though once one may have done teshuva and repented, but today the repentance may need to be greater because of where you stand today or in order to take you to a higher level. Are there any questions? Go ahead, go ahead. I appreciate the question. The question is are we throwing our sins to the ocean where they're gone, or are they constantly in front of us? Over here, we're working on humbling oneself. So we're looking for areas that will bring oneself to humility. And we're mentioning that in certain aspects, the sin is constant. Is that who we are? Is that where we are? No. In other words, if someone has done teshuva, they're bainani. If you're bainani, that means the sin is not there. Here we're learning, though nonetheless, there's always room for growth. So let me try and say it in other words. When we're saying we're throwing it into the ocean, we're saying we want that the sin should be wiped away. But there still is a deeper level that we can constantly connect deeper with God, etc. So they're both true. But that's a great question. It was... Yeah. Any other questions? Garrison, there was a question before? No, I'm just trying to grapple with what we learned previously. It's just everything is appropriate for 
the subject matter. So here we're dealing with uh, being humble. Right. Previously, we were dealing with the fact that yes, you can do tshuva and, and recognize that you're not what you used to be, but you can also reflect on what you used to be. Right. We're learning both of those things now. Are, and are you saying those contradict one another? No, no, I'm saying they contradict. Just you're, you're putting it in perspective. To yeah, yeah. Thank you. In a sense, for me, what I'm getting out of this is when you're a child, you think like a child, you sin, you surrender. But then as you become a teenager, you see that same sin on a different level with different understanding you go oh it's greater than I ever imagined and so you surrender again and you ask forgiveness again for the same sin on a new level and then you become an adult and you go back and again you see it on another level and a bigger aspect of it you go wow that's even bigger than I ever imagined and so again you say you have to be surrendering you say forgive me because now I see it's even bigger than I imagined before and and the levels just keep growing and your understanding of what you did keep growing as you go. That, yes, that would be a good method of explaining what we're learning here. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much, everyone.